Welcome to the 83rd episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. And I'm Jack Neely. We are here to talk about the practical side of operations work. This week, we're talking about the analog tools we use to supplement our digital lives. Again. So, last episode, we talked a lot about the analog tools we use, but that was that conversation was much more focused around the tools we put into our laptop bags or into our Go bags. And yeah, that was kind of a laptop bag dump. And although I try to keep my laptop bag in a state where I just have to grab it and go, and no matter where I am, I have it, there are definitely things that aren't practical to put in the laptop bag. Yeah, and by the end of last episode, we had started to drift more into what does it look like for our stuff that is not laptop baggable and not on the go. And I wanted us to follow immediately with an episode about kind of the other half of that. And I'm going to take the, the I'm going to take the, the stance that the cutoff here is not things that are strictly unpowered, but things that don't have an operating system, things that don't have to boot up and become ready and get firmware updates. So if you start talking about your printer, I'm going to make fun of you because you don't have one and I do. Yes. Um, in fact, I think I have at least two in here. I am also honorable mentions that don't don't make make the cut are the Tasmoda firmware. Sonoff switches that I use to control my desk lights, and they're pretty cool, but they definitely have an operating system and a firmware, and they have lots of complex machinations behind them, so they don't count. We're talking about things that make your computing life easier or better. Um, a lot of this honestly revolves around ergonomics. There have been many, many years of study of ergonomics in the office place, and if you're sitting at a desk, which a lot of us are for many hours a day, which a lot of us are, if you don't take care of the physical environment you work in, you're going to pay the price down the road, either your back or your neck or your wrists or your eyes. So I'm going to throw a link into the show notes. This is a Mayo Clinic, but there's dozens of these out on the internet about the best ways to set up, physically set up your screen and your keyboard and your lights, because there's a lot of the angles and things that are actually really important to try to adapt to early and especially young listeners please take this advice please you will one thing i want to stress is that ergonomics and sitting at desks and rsi and carpal tunnel syndrome and all that mess these are things that we've known about and studied and have best practices for for decades for longer than i've been alive people have known about these issues so this is something that is well studied it is well understood and especially as we move toward an environment where we can all just work from home, the most important thing you can do in this field is to set up a professional workspace at some of the best money you can spend. And similarly, I'm not going to go deep into office chairs. I mean, you should get a good chair for doing work in. Um, if you were around in the late or the early 2000s, you could pick up a Herman Miller Aeron for basically nothing as all the dot-coms are going out of business. That isn't really the case. No, those chairs still are legendary. That isn't the case anymore. legendarily expensive. Um, but I mean, a, a good new office chair is going to cost you five or $600, which is a fairly large chunk of change. But honestly, it's the thing you're sitting in, so it's probably worth it I eventually. I Amazon office chair that I probably paid 200 bucks for. And it was one of those, I'm not paying enough for a chair, but my old chair broke and I'm in a pinch. So my chair is my weak spot. Well, I actually have a Herman Miller Aeron that my father-in-law found at a garage sale for $20. Uh, 
and needed a new gas cylinder, which cost me another $25 on Amazon. And so I got a, I got an Aeron for basically 60 bucks and they exist. You just have to look. Um, the other thing, now I'm going to swear at you. Well, yes. The other <laughs> thing that I strongly recommend, um, and this is, this is very trendy a couple of years ago and it's less trendy now, but I really value it is a desk that converts from sitting to standing. I find more than the RSI challenges or other things, having a desk that converts and standing up makes me actually think about problems differently. And if you can do it in a way that doesn't hurt your wrists and your back and your whatever else, that's pretty awesome. So again, they're not terribly cheap, but if you're interested in that kind of thing, there is a huge, huge bevy of options at this point. Nor are they terribly expensive. I mean, they're... the IKEA ones are reasonably affordable. Mm-hmm. And you can get into all but the most e- extravagant ones for less than a thousand dollars shipped, even with cable management trays and built-in power supplies and whatever else. So they are motorized, so they get close to the doesn't boot up. But as far as I can tell, there's no firmware. There's no other things to patch. It's just. You push a button and it moves an actuator, so that qualifies. I have a pretty traditional desk at home that's a quality piece of furniture. So I don't do the the standing thing, but having a desk that gets my workstation at the right level, my arms resting at the right level, and of course part of that is adjusting your chair as well, and it just builds that foundation for your workspace. Um in one of my offices, I do use a an ancient but inexpensive uh, folding table like you might find at a church. It's six or eight feet long, so it's got plenty of space, and it gets my monitors and keyboard about the right space. It's not great, but... Yeah, other things to think about are if you have your keyboard sitting on your desk and you have to kind of cantilever your arms to get to it or you have to use a wrist rest because it's hurting too much you're probably doing Major it wrong sign. and you may Major want to look sign. at you may want to look at a keyboard tray that bolts on the bottom of your desk so you have more space and you can keep your wrists more neutral but again this has been studied at depth, in depth so look around monitor arms keyboard trays those kinds of things they can really help for not a whole lot of money they can help you get your office in a better physical configuration that way you should be typing without your wrists touching your desk or your keyboard. Your hand should float above your keyboard. Yes, and it should be effortless. It shouldn't be strenuous. It shouldn't like be pinching anything and whatever else. Just like playing a piano. And then the final thing that I'm going to bring up on the ergonomics before I move on, I, I promise, is task lighting. Part of the ergonomic stuff talks about the difference in brightness. If you have a really bright monitor in a really dark room or vice versa it puts a whole lot of eye strain on you. So what I've taken to doing is I go out and I get four or five of those really cheap gooseneck, like clip on your desk kind of lamps. And I put 60 watt equivalent bulbs in them. And I stick them on the desk behind my monitors and they face them at the wall. So it lights up the room around me, but it doesn't shine them in my eyes. So it's not irritating that way, but it gives me, so the, the contrast between the monitor and the wall isn't that high and it, it reduces eye strain so much it's not funny. And this is a really inexpensive way to do it. Um, and really, any cheap gooseneck. It doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to be, you know, a Dyson whatever. No, it can be a $9, a $6 thing and a couple of bulbs. And along those lines of, of visual eye strain, and okay, we're, we're 
touching the the boundaries of this episode, but when you buy a new monitor, the factory default is what they call torch mode and is set at the brightest, most eye-catchingly glaring settings that that monitor can physically produce. Make sure you turn down your contrast and your brightness on your monitor to a sane level. Yes, you will thank yourself within hours of doing that. Monitors on a on a store, when you've got you know, rows of monitors, it's statistically proven the ones that sell in that configuration aren't the ones that have the truest color, aren't the ones that look the breast. It's the ones that is brightest. And the most saturated. So that's why they all come, you know, sort of set up for torch mode. And yeah, I was fighting some eye strain a couple of weeks ago and I realized that my monitors are like on 99% of brightness. And I'm like, oh crap. Okay, so moving on to the the less obvious stuff when you get out of, out of ergonomics. I keep a bunch of kind of common utility items that either I can't travel with because it's not smart to try to get on a plane with these things or because they're just too bulky. So I have a box cutter and a pocket knife and a little bamboo cutting board for dealing with either packages that come in or trying to snip cable ties or whatever else it is. I have a, I have a, a safe surface to cut on and I keep a set of ratcheting, um, it's a ratcheting tool sets that actually I think Jack, you gave it to me many years ago for Christmas. I think I remember that. And it's got, you know, the standard Phillips and flat, but it also has Torx bits and security Torx bits and the weird little elevator pry tool and like all of the bits, all it's like a hundred and something bits. And this means that if I'm sitting here at my desk and I get a computer I need to open up, right? Something else needs, needs to happen to a device. I probably have a driver that'll take it apart for me. You need to take apart something with a quote unquote security bit. Thanks, Apple. <laughs> Man, for a moment there, with your safe cutting service, I thought you were going to cut up a lime and make a drink. Nah. I'm, I'm leaving out the uh, the camping and the beverages section of my, my desktop contents. Another episode. Maybe. Maybe. So moving along, I also have, under my desk, I have a box of cables. And we all have boxes of cables that kind of collect, you know, USB and DisplayPort and HDMI to DisplayPort and this to that and all of the other combinations of things. And one of my bosses early, early, early on called it the Medusa coil because he got to the point where he was trying to, he's trying to get cables out and you just can't get anything. It's just this tangled mess of horribleness. And you'd often resort to cutting some cables so you can get other cables out. And I am also ashamed to admit that I have the box that's under my desk and I also have three or four more boxes in the other room. You know, if, if you need the standard power cables, or you need the non-standard power cables, you need the ones the Xbox uses that don't have a ground pin, or you need the ones that the Apple chargers use, or you need... So I have everything, and I'm... And loath- I try to keep my cable count low, and I try to be really careful and specific about... I have a MacBook of this generation. I'm going to need these three dongles to make sure I can connect to the podium at this conference to give a presentation. One of these three dongles will work. Yeah, but... It, I, I find it difficult to throw cables away, especially when you when you land on nice ones that are either well shielded or have good strain relief or whatever else. And you're like, I now I do have a pile of cables in the closet. Don't get me wrong. I'm never going to use this, under my desk. I'm never going to use this VGA cable again. But I mean, it's a nice one, and so I have one VGA cable, and it's really heavy duty. But I don't really need. I I should. Anyway, that that's a problem. <laughs> 
maybe reserved for a group therapy meeting or something. I also keep things like masking tape and packing tape because they're really handy for kind of, well, obviously the packing side of things, but for sort of randomly sticking bits of things to other things, either more or less permanently. And having it at your at arm's length means you don't have to go downstairs, you don't have to go to the other room, you don't have to go and buy something when you just need to get it done right now and you can go back to work. So I, I find utility items like that in terms of... Oh, definitely. I definitely have a pocket knife or three around all my desks somewhere, tape, various collections of pins and paper. I know I've got at least a basic you know, sort of screwdriver set, and I'm not too far away from a bag of tools somewhere. So interestingly, I don't keep things like loose paper or paper clips or staplers or scotch tape at my desk. And I also don't keep pens and pencils other than the ones that I clip to my notebooks because I just don't use them anymore. And so I mean, I have my, I, my laptop bags next to me and I can reach in and I can grab my, I can grab my notebooks that I take notes in, but I keep pens attached to them so I don't lose them and therefore I don't keep them on my desk and I haven't needed them in years. So I just don't. <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely started keeping a handful of the pencils and pens that I like on my desk, in my bag, on my office desk, because I have a couple locations that I can work from. They're set up pretty similarly. And even though my preferred notebook stays in my bag and travels with me, I've got the pencil right on my desk that I want to use or the pen right on my desk that I want to use. I just pick it up. It's also a good place to keep spare notebooks or other larger format things. Um I enjoy larger format notebooks when I'm architecting something, designing something. It just feels like I've got more brain space to work with. And that that makes a whole lot of sense if that's the way you work. So, again, a lot of these tools revolve around the things that you do. So don't take our list as gospel. Just use it as ideas. Um, for example, I also have my soldering iron and flux and solder and all that stuff on the desk behind me. Because occasionally things break and you need to put them back together. Um, occasionally you really do need to uh, desolder that capacitor from that Dell 1950 uh, 1U rack mount, fix that sucker up, and oh, wait a minute, I work from home into AWS. Well, more, <laughs> more specifically, I have, for example, a USB to ADB adapter that I use for my Apple Extended Ergonomic Keyboard. And I got the adapter for free because some enterprising individual years ago had yanked on it a little bit too hard and the ground connection to the to the circuit board inside the adapter was just a little bit loose and kind of weird and so it's easy you pop it open i mean it, it's a really simple soldering job you tin the tip and you just go with it and now you have a completely functional keyboard you know circa 1993 or whatever and it's a beautiful keyboard i love it um and i have i fixed the adapter so having those kinds of tools, and I'm not going to ever put that into a bag to carry with me somewhere, but having it available is really nice. Yeah, don't blame you. And this is the person who built a custom clock for his kids, built his own mute pedal. Yeah. So, okay, I'll give you a soldering iron. Um, and moving That's, along, I do things... Oh, sorry. One of the things I really wish I could carry with me in my bag is my keyboards. Yes. Because I use IBM Model M keyboards, and I have a collection of them now, and they are old enough to drink. They do not have an operating system nor firmware, so at least I don't think the keyboard controller in them has that much firmware. 
So they classify, right? Oh, totally. Um, and what makes me think about soldering iron and repairing these things is the uh, custom connector that clips into the back of these keyboards that routes to the PS2 connector to your machine. Um, mine are really old, and some of them break. You can purchase new ones for an insane amount of cash, but yeah. But I've never been brave enough to discover some of the newer mechanical keyboards and try to work with them because buying a new cable is still cheaper than buying a new mechanical keyboard nowadays. Well, I've got a, a mono price Cherry MX Blue mechanical keyboard, full size. It's got you know the home and end keys and the full size keypad and the full size arrow keys and everything else. And I want to say I got it on sale for 55 or 60 bucks, which is honestly not terrible. Now, it doesn't have the built-in USB hub, and it doesn't have some... But it works, and it has the key switches I like, and it's reliable. So, there's that. Keyboards, probably another episode. Yeah. Um, One of the along. things I have on my desk that I can't live without, at least I can't work without, and may cross the line because I'm pretty sure it's firmware programmable, are my radios. Standalone, FMAM, weather band, radio. It's not connected to my computer. It's not connected to the internet. Honestly, I give those a pass because you can get those that are absolutely analog devices that have no no sense of internet whatever. And even the ones that do often will fall back to FMAM, wideband, um, shortwave, that kind of stuff without much poking and prodding. But a weather radio especially if you live in the area that may be prone to, say, severe thunderstorms or tornadoes. Seconds matter, and the Midland device I have that sits on my desk, I can look up and look at. It has a light-up display that I can read, not to mention the radio parts. And so if, if there is any impactful incident that I need to be aware of, that I need to be disturbed and made aware of, um, I trust that device to to do that job. And yeah, you can get weather alerts and whatnot on your phone, depending on you know, what applications you have installed and what your uh, phone provider decides to, you know, push out with their presidential updates. But having having had both, the weather radio will give you 30 seconds a minute even more lead time before you get the similar push to your phone. And in some cases, time's really of the essence. Absolutely. Listening to the, the impeachment trials. Ooh, I just dated the podcast. So slightly less important than weather radio. Um, the other kind of big thing I have on my list before we get into the, the kind of wandering topics are a set of rechargeable AA and a set of rechargeable AAA batteries and a good charger. And the chargers can qualify into breaking the rules about having firmware and whatnot but get some of them are pretty fancy yeah but get end loop batteries or the equip the amazon basic pro or whatever equivalents that are the long charge life ones the ones you can charge leave in a desk for six months or a year because they are worth their weight in regular batteries yeah you're, you pay a lot more for the individual cell but they last forever. You can recharge them many, many times, especially if you get a good battery charger, which is the other thing on my list. Um, I've got one that Maha Energy made, the C9000. I'll throw it in the show notes. Um, and basically, it can charge each battery individually. It doesn't have to do them in pairs or, or all four at once. 
most cheap chargers, as soon as the overall voltage of the four get to whatever the limit is, it stops. And that's not good for the battery. It's not good for getting a good charge. Um, the good chargers can do things like individually condition batteries, you know, drain them down, fill them back up, or do slow charging or do fast charging. So you can really extend the life of rechargeable batteries far longer than what you think you can. And all of this will pay for itself relatively quickly. So I never needed batteries until I had a kid. <sighs> but I mean, I, th- there are so many things in my office that, that plug in with batteries. There's there's USB keyboards and USB mice and U- all these things. And it's like, I okay, my noise-canceling headphones take batteries. <laughs> and being able to I leave... try really hard not to depend on wireless devices for my on my workstation. Well, I generally agree, but occasionally you need to do it. And I find that having ha- having the knowledge that there's always a pair of charged AA's and a pair of charged AAA's waiting for me, and the charger is smart, so if you if the batteries get full, it backs off the charge on them. It just float it just float charges them and tops them off, so it doesn't ruin the batteries. So you can literally leave them in the charger for months, and you know that they're good to go once you take them out. Yeah. Um. So that's the last kind of the of the normal stuff on my list. You have anything else? just the importance of good audio equipment and that's the the less normal that i was i was hinting at what's your setup look like these days i've become lax um because i used to put way too much effort into having a good audio setup and well there lies a rabbit hole so deep that costs all of your money and gives you absolutely nothing so of late um being that my workstations are Linux, I've been really enjoying keeping a dedicated USB DAC attached to my Linux boxes and having some a good set of headphones plugged into that and using that as my primary audio source. And that has worked really well. I don't disturb anyone. I just pick up the headphones and go. And actually, I've been using the uh, ATR2100 microphone that I use for the podcast as my audio DAC on my Linux box at home for a couple of weeks now for that that purpose. And it really does a really good job. Previously, I'd been just using the audio out on this crappy Linux box because it's audio out and it's going to be crappy into an Arcam A65 Plus amp, which is not in the greatest of condition. I bought it used, but it's a nice amp. And I appreciate the fact that I can hook that up to some speakers and have some ambient sound. But I just don't use it much anymore. And honestly, without a reasonable, honestly, without a cheap DAC that's dedicated, the audio that comes out from your computer is not too great. Yeah, I similarly have a a somewhat esoteric audio setup. And for me, the most important piece of it is definitely the headphones. Because I can listen to audio that doesn't sound quite great as long as it's comfortable to have the headphones on all day. So I have moved over to using um, the semi-open back headphones. So they're generally lighter weight. They have more cushioning. They are more comfortable. They don't get quite as sweaty and kind of kind of quite as hot. Um, like a pair of AKG K240s. And Those I want to phones. I want to say they're seventy bucks new. They are, you, you don't have to spend $1,000 on headphones to get something that, that feels good and sounds good. 
now they're semi-open back, so other people in the room with you may get irritated at your music because they can hear it, and they get that kind of tinny, awful version of it, not the good version. But if you're working in a home office by yourself, it's great. Um, I've also got my Bose Quiet Comfort something 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 over ears that are wonderful for plane flights and sound absolutely terrible. They they their their reproduction of audio is it leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, if you can find a good set of noise canceling headphones that sound halfway decent and don't cost a thousand dollars, let me know. Yeah, and I also have the the ATR twenty one hundred USB microphone. I have a an, an MXL nine ninety condenser that I picked up used at a musician's workshop, whatever, for 30 bucks. Um, I'll, I'll throw links into the show notes for those two microphones. They're Note to self, go shopping with Brendan. Um, and I also have a cheap Radio Shack dynamic mic from like 1983 or something that as I was cleaning out other things, I found it and I plugged it in and it actually works and it sounds reasonably good. So I've got spares of things and spares are kind of nice. The thing that I'm kind of anal about that I have spares of are headsets Mm-hmm. And the recording rig for the podcast definitely counts as a headset, and I've definitely used it as such. Uh, but having some spare Logitech headsets, my uh, ATR uh, noise-canceling uh, sort of travel headset, whatever it is, which is cheap, doesn't really sound great. It has a microphone. I know how to use it as a headset. It works decently. Um, and I've got, you know, two or three headsets in my bag and probably more Apple earbuds shoved in my drawer somewhere. Just the concept of not being able to respond to my boss ca- calling me or talking to my clients. It, I don't know. That's that's kind of my biggest fear. Yeah. And speaking of spares, like I have spare headphones, and I have spare microphones, and I have spare USB dongles. And as mentioned earlier with my, my Manusco, I have spare cables, but I also have things like spare light bulbs, and I have some cleaning supplies in the office. I'm just like, I don't need all of this right now, but it's good to have kind of extras that, again, not, not quite at arm's reach, but close by. So think of the consumables you use or the things that if they broke, you couldn't either get your work done or you'd be really uncomfortable. And you can probably pick up another one that is functional, even if it isn't as nice, relatively inexpensive. So kind of take stock of that stuff as well my knife sharpening kit is on my desk does that count mm, sure <laughs> i mean yeah um and then st- stretching a little bit the other thing that it, this technically does have for, well, it definitely has firmware and it most likely has an os at this point um but get yourself a decent office-sized ups that you can plug your computers into so when the power blips you don't lose all your omg work. yes it's it's such a like you can get a reasonable inexpensive UPS for thirty or forty bucks. Seriously, don't a good one is one hundred and fifty. Yeah, don't mess around. Don't overkill is one hundred and fifty. I actually have an old APC three hundred VA uh, UPS that powers my home office, and I've never had an issue with it. Well, other than the normal maintenance of changing the battery. Yeah, but they're they're amazing, and just get one. Just just stop it. Just go get one right now. Find a quality one that you can easily access the battery and use it for your home office. Note that every two to three years, you're going to need to replace that battery, which is the painful part because you have to power the thing down. Um, but Batteries Plus, any good battery store, uh, will have those batteries for you in stock. Um, you can also order them online for Amazon 
the name brand APC batteries are always more expensive, but there's definitely options out there as well. Another thing that if you're looking for either larger capacity or you're looking for a deal, people frequently unload either broken or no battery UPS is on Craigslist or eBay for a song because most eBay of the sh- is great for finding in the old APC hard case, metal case. The rack mount ones, they're awesome. And because... The ones that actually have good components because they used to make them with good components. And all you have to do is put a battery in it. Yeah, and most of the weight's in the battery. So as long as they're shipping it to you without the batteries, shipping costs go 25 down. 25 bucks, sure. Yeah, and you can get a nice rack mount UPS for 25, 50 bucks. If you look for a little while. So don't let the cost be what stops you. They are really handy. Um, Just remember, connect the red wire first. <laughs> I have made that mistake before. The only issue with the UPS battery is that definitely it's going to have more amperage in it than your normal D-cell. It can hurt a little bit. Red wire first. Please take the time to rate the show in Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast directory. It's the best way for new listeners to find us. Additionally, we welcome feedback about shows we've recorded or topics you'd like us to cover. Leave us a comment on the website at operations.fm. Send us your thoughts on email, feedback at operations.fm, or use at operations.fm on Twitter. And that wraps it up for the 83rd episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. And I'm Jack Neely. Thanks, and good night. Remember, red cables always go faster.